welcome everybody to another podcast of the Angry War Gamer. I am Jason, the Angry War Gamer, and we've got uh, Drew and Orlando here today. Hey everyone, how's it going? How goes it, peoples? Sweet. So, I guess we got a couple of things. Um, we actually got a lot of things to talk about. Some more important than others, i.e., the Pokemon DLC, <laughs> um, Crown Tundra released, and it released was it Thursday? Thursday night, like pretty late at night, and so we've had what Thursday, Friday, today, Saturday. We've had three days to play with it. What are the thoughts? I'll let Orlando go Drew, first. Why don't you start? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, you, you you guys already know me. I was not a huge fan of Pokemon Sword and Shield. So the fact that I ended up getting it anyway is just another hypocritical fucking way of going about with things. But anywho, I personally don't find the crown trundra so far to be that big of an improvement. Wait, why didn't you like uh, sword and shield? I ended up thinking it was very lackluster for, even for a Pokemon game. Really? Overly lackluster. Yes. Now I'll give it, I'll give it one thing. And that is that during the, um, during the final parts of the game where you're battling in the competition in the Pokemon league, if that's what we want to call it, uh, it, it does know how to set up the hype. I I'll give it that, but <sighs> there really wasn't much else to it. I found the story to be especially stupid for a Pokemon game. I found most, if not all, of the Pokemon that were introduced to be very underwhelming, if not garbage. In fact, the only Pokemon I actually liked was the Pokemon Phalanx. And that was because of the fact that it was just a bunch of miniature Kirbys with with shields. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the most useless Pokemon <laughs> introduced to yeah that's like honestly you're probably right but when it comes to design i feel like it's the most badass and most awesome pokemon designed out of them all and that includes that the the final legendary pokemon uh shit i forget his name which one i think it's eternatus or something like that Oh, you're going the one that looks like it's a yeah the the one that looks like a goddamn alien and his Gigantamax form is so overpowered that he has a literal base stat total of over twelve thousand. He can't. It's, Etern it's Eternamax, by the way. It's not Gigantamax. Okay, whatever. He is a point specific to himself that you cannot access. Yep, that was only for the story part of it for now yeah they could always make it a random uh um download on a, on a mystery gift that is true they could 
at any right. time. It obviously would never be used in tournament play, but it, they could do it. All right. Well, I'm going to say I really enjoyed Sword and Shield. And if you think about it as an aspect of getting away from that evil villain type aspect, which they kind of, um, they kind because of, when they went back to uh, Omega's, um, um, was it Alpha? God damn it. Why can't I think? Alpha Sapphire Omega and Omega Ruby. Ruby. Alpha yeah, yeah, when they finally went back to those, it was just a re-release of kind of the old story with some new twists to it. The The last good storyline, I would have to say, was black and white. XY is really close second to that. So story-wise, I can kind of agree with you, and Isle of Armor storyline. I can, uh, for for your compare, uh, I have it flipped. I think X and Y has the best story. After just replaying it, it has a better story than Black and White, in my opinion. That's fair. Maybe it's Black and White had more of the adult theme story to it, I think. Oh, um, no, 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 no. X and Y has the more adult. What, would, what, is, what is less adult about literally Pokemon going an all-out war, slaughtering each other, and then having essentially nuke the fucking region no that was black and white <laughs> black and white no nuked that was x and y it's in the main lore of the story that's what it's all about are we sure about that because how and, you access ad- go ahead <laughs> no you were saying you were saying i said the way you access the internet portion of black and white was and if you had black or white was a completely raised area of the game. Like they tell you that this area was like blown up. <laughs> like it just completely destroyed. Yeah. X and Y has the same thing, except it actually shows you that it nuked the damn, that it nuked the damn region. It shows it to you happening, not just through text that, hey, this was a result of this being completely nuked, but You're rather it shows you that it nuked the place. The Yveltal um, Xerneas battle? No, no, no. Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh, shit. No, 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 no. It shows a part. There's a main part of the story that shows... Um, the, the what's his name xz's or whatever the the dude that apparently was the king Xerneas. he tells you that he actually no he used the machine he built to nuke the entire region an explosion so large that apparently you could see it from out no from outer fucking space i think you're right i think it's starting and to then, come back to me <laughs> cuz that's and isn't then that... there's and then there's the underlying tone of communism versus capitalism in there that I didn't fucking realize, even though Team Flair, he's wearing red, you dipshits, they're the communists. <laughs> that I didn't fucking realize until I played X for the second fucking time. Because there's a there's a literal line in there made by Langsander that is talking about stealing from the rich and evenly distributing it amongst the masses. It was like, oh shit. 
Does Pokemon X and Y have an underlying tone of capitalism versus communism? Son <laughs> of a bitch! Maybe, because Lumai City was the more capitalist state. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, the whole, the whole game is built around it, from tipping to buying exp- expensive shit. Yeah, because that, but that was based, there, the, because the area was supposedly based on the area of France, where um, Sword and Shield is based more on the area of like the English. Yes, you know that would you know that would have been kind of nice if they made the damn connection. War of the Roses, like, well, not War of the Roses, but like the Hundred Years War. But no, I guess we don't. I, I guess we can't be that fucking epic. No, 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 not at all. all I'm saying. But anyway, Drew, why don't you why don't you go along before I decide to become more pessimistic than ever before? Is it even possible, considering the conversation you and I had earlier? So, <laughs> getting, back, getting back to the real conversation here, the the DLC. I I'm with Jason. It was absolutely pleasant. I really didn't enjoy Isle of Armor as much as I'm enjoying Crown Tundra. And Isle of Armor had some decent things to it, but the way the map was structured and the way the side quests were, it wasn't an, the the map was overall fulfilling, but the quests themselves felt completely lackluster because a lot of it happened in the same area. You didn't have to go far and wide for a lot of the stuff that you had to do, even when you had to go to the dojo to get to to upgrade your Urshifu. So I don't have not to say that I hated it, but I knew that it wasn't going. It was going to be a lesser experience than Crown Tundra was. Crown Tundra was where I knew where they were going to put the money in, and they did not disappoint. The area is vast. I think it's definitely much bigger than the Isle of Armor is. I feel like the overall layout and the availability of Pokemon was very much more in the favor of Tundra than it was in Isle of Armor. I um, I'm enjoying the uh, the Max Raid. Uh, uh, quest quest setup that's really awesome and catching legendaries and shinies in that is supposed to be super easy though i personally haven't caught anything shiny yet but i'm not actively looking for anything so that definitely helps the side quests that you get access to are decent meaty enough where it doesn't feel like you're wasting too much of your time you're still questing all over the uh, all over the area without feeling like you're being dragged across the area I don't know. I like I said, the the, the overall content was absolutely absolutely awesome. The one thing that I don't enjoy overall about the game as a whole, like Sword and Shield as a whole, is it's real easy to devalue a lot of the evolution items, and because you can just run into a lot of the fully evolved Pokemon. Like you want to run into a Tangrowth, they're wandering around on the Isle of Armor just willy nilly. You don't have to go out of your Fucking way. To yes, yeah, I totally get you. Dude, there's mammo swines just all over the place in Crown Tundra. I'm like, really? I don't even have to go and get the evolve it or anything. Okay, don't have to teach it ancient ancient power. Nothing, anything. Okay, that this is this just t- kind of takes the wind out of my sails, especially because you run into a magmarizer and electrolyzer. It's like, but I can go in the wild area and I've seen magmortar and electivire wandering around. So I don't know what the hell's going on here. But overall, I think the, like I said, the I think overall the crazy part is saying fossils are just like absolutely fucking insane. First thing I go and see is like, is that a mother? 
Is that a motherfucking Amora? Just wandering randomly around? These are extinct Pokemon. Yeah. And they're just walking around. Totally fine. Totally normal. And even the Pokedex, after you catch him, still tells it, these Pokemon were extinct. Not anymore, apparently. If there are enough of them walking around... Well, I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go canonically speaking, or at least within the storyline, it might have to, it might have to do with Calyrex's influence, why, why they came back, because the Pokemon instilled a great deal of prosperity and and growth. So those things might have just came out of came out of extinction just because of its influence. Just gonna take a shot at it. I don't know. I mean, considering the first fossils you get access to in Sword and Shield are what I can only be described as a spitting in God's eye because I attached this this one piece mm. to this other piece like a Lego set of a four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, everyone love that octopus <laughs> they got? <laughs> let's just take oh, let's just head and it on backwards. No, I think um, Isle, of, Isle of Armor fell flat on its face. Um, I did not enjoy it at all, and it was kind of a big. I, I don't blame you, dude. Yeah, but definitely Crown Tundra. Crown Tundra feels way better, and it utilizes like the whole map. Um, you have to go back to the wild areas for uh, one of the legendary birds. You have to go to the Isle of Armor for one of the other legendary birds. Um, you have to do little mini puzzles for the for the Reggies. You have to hunt down the the footprints to get the um um Caldeo yeah and I, the horses I, and stuff. I will i will say that that's interesting at least it, at least you're working towards the legendaries i can i can respect that it gives the island a little more meat than the than the previous uh yeah, the I, previous dlc and I like the the Dynamax adventure, like the way they changed it from just the the dens to like a playable dungeon. And there there is some strategy to it. Like you can only only is one person. Is it really can... a dungeon though? I thought it would be like more dungeon crawling, not you know pick your own adventure. Yeah, but you can only take one Pokemon with you. You don't have to use any of your. You don't have. Yeah, to... it's rental. Yeah, you still have all of your or um, your entire party has to be somewhat balanced because only one person can switch out after it's caught. So like your whole party can't switch out. And if somebody can't decide, then it just randomly generates who does, which could be detrimental to the rest of the run. Like right now, it's kind of easy. Like it's if you know what you're doing, it's it's kind of easy and it's kind of fun. You can definitely do it solo. But I think um, if they scaled it up... Yeah, that's and, what I'm doing. Yeah, if they scaled it up and you took more people with you, th I think the Dynamax Adventures, like, or the... Yeah, it's called Adventure, I'm pretty sure. Like, those... Yeah, right. Those can be so much more fun. And, I'm like I said, I'm enjoying Crown Tundra a thousand times more because I think they're... they're you know, they've basically added in the rest of the Pokedex at this point. And it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like that DLC where like, well, you, they should have put it in the game already. It feels like the DLC where it's like they added a lot of stuff, not just the Pokemon that we're missing. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I think it was well worth. Well, that's fair. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to down on your guys' parade. If you're enjoying it, you're enjoying it. I personally just don't feel that it's been much of an improvement, but hey, I could be in the minority here. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not just, maybe I'm just not seeing it outside of uh, the fanboy eyes. <laughs> maybe I'm more looking at it as it's like, this is what this is. <laughs> and that that can influence the way that you look at stuff. And I and I take that fully into account when I make this. I'm very much was waiting for this when they first announced the two DLCs as a whole. In in my head, Isle of Armor was just a gateway to me getting to Crown Tundra and enjoying the larger portion of the Pokemon experience that I was already enjoying. They added more to the Pokedex. They added more available Pokemon. The legendaries are heavily saturated in the game where I don't feel like there isn't a decent cross-section of what's available not in the game like yeah there's some po- there there's still shit tons of pokemon that still aren't in the game and i get that and the people who are pissed off about it they have every right to be pissed off about it but again maybe they'll come up in the next game maybe they will just won't do it at all maybe this is the end for those particular people playing the game if that's your point where you step off and you're done absolutely do so i don't want to i don't want anybody to feel like like the, 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 there, there's a certain level of betrayal from this company because, like, ex- expecting any company to, you know, kowtow to a particular viewpoint or an expectation, I, I, again, I, I can't, can, I, I can't make any of those assumptions. And, and, and while I do agree that they made a lot of promises that they didn't keep on it, and I think that they, there, there's definitely a lot of catching up to do as far as what was originally part of the game and what isn't part of the game now. I still think the overall experience was whole, was full enough where I don't feel like I wasted any of my money on the DLC or the game proper. So again, it's, it's always going to be in the eye of the beholder on what the, what is, what is technically available, but more than 70% of the, the full Pokedex is in there now. If you can't find something yeah. in there, then, then then there's no satisfying you to begin with. Yep, I don't know. I will say that the very least with the DLC, they made a notable attempt. I will I will give them that much. I don't agree in how they in how they made that attempt, but at least the attempt was made. Hell, they can yeah, fucking the, the, they can release season pass style shit for. Pokemon, and I'd still yes. buy into it. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I, I, I would really hope they don't do something like that. Well, I they mean, already make more, more. They already make more than enough money as it is. They don't need to be dragging, going that low. Well, I mean, maybe not season past stuff, but if they did another expansion and said, oh, we're releasing the original game in conjunction with Sword and Shield and you get to play through red and blue again for like the 7 millionth time but on the switch this time i think I totally buy the experience i think only having a separate game i think only i would be happy about that because i'm the only asshole who would be more than happy for a true gen 1 remake while everybody else would be fucking tired of seeing kanto again oh i wouldn't care i'd like i said i'd still be playing it but i think the um, I think if they released it as like an expansion and they were like, you keep everything 
because we've already built on this game instead of releasing a whole new game i'd be down with it they could release another like three expansions for sword and shield and i think the, the way they're headed if after the whole like, if, they armor that, was... if they did that then sword then my mind about sword and shield would change drastically because we would have an entirely brand new region full of content that would even if it was as about as bare bones as red and blue that would be a whole other region with new content nonetheless and i'd be like okay i would have to i would have to concede and say sword and shield is probably the best game in the entire series just because they did essentially all that you know what i would you know what i would do like if i was the pokemon company i would because all the rumors when the expansions were coming they said that once you get once you left the area it was going to scale you back like level you back and you couldn't use certain level pokemon what i think they should do is something similar to the anime where every time ash goes to a new area he gets a new pokemon so you basically when they do it you have you keep your your bank you keep your pokedex you keep whatever for the other region but when you leave you basically start all over again because your character's not leveling your pokemon are the ones leveling so every time you go to a new one you meet a professor or the same professor and they give you an option of new starters for that region until you beat like whatever the top um top level thing is like it could be until like, you beat the one. challenge yeah until you beat the yeah, challenge until you beat the challenge Right. And once you do that, then it opens up access to use all your Pokemon in that area, giving you more content for that area, like the wild area type stuff. And I think that would be a way better way of doing things right now than releasing a whole nother game. Because I think what what they started with Sword and Shield is the right direction. I agree. For me, and especially in that in, in that context. It's much more realistic to see to for them to do more adding on and patching onto this because they've already stated that they've already proven I can't say stated for sure, but they've already proven that this is the framework that they're basing all of the switch Pokemon off of. I mean, we can all agree on that. That's where they're going with this. That's the that's where the, that's the that's their end game here for this <laughs> generation of, of Nintendo. This is how they want this is the model they want to go with in the future. Well, not just the model, but like even the build, like the re- that's why using, the model. They're using this as their legacy build for for the game, for for those games going forward. Now, I think that going that that if they're going to stick with that, and that's going to be their their mo going until the Switch Pro comes out or whatever they end up doing as the next gen for Nintendo stuff. I think that it would be much more realistic for them to just patch on newer regions onto the existing game. But are they going to do that? I'm not going to assume or anything at this point because there's already rumors that they've already taken up the trademarks for uh, Platinum. People are assuming they're going to be making a, pla- a, a Platinum region or something. So, okay, people really need to... S- People really need to stop assuming shit because we thought last year we were getting an F Zero, uh, a new F Zero game because somebody saw uh, Nintendo filing uh, 
uh, a trademark for F-Zero. And then it found out that none of the shit was going to happen. People really need to take it easy on them. Dude, the, 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 the fandom makes their own disappointment. You know yeah, this? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Nintendo, Game Freak, any company that Nintendo never has to do a goddamn thing to piss off the fandom more than the fandom <laughs> pisses itself off. Speaking of the Fire Emblem debacle that's about to happen, the limited run of physical copies. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it's it's an it's another limited run debacle in the same way as uh, Mario 3D All Stars. Its digital release will also be limited. Are you kidding me? Really? Yes, uh, it is also oh. that is also limited. Jesus. <laughs> Good things. Yeah, get... that's one more reason. <laughs> could it get any worse? Yeah, oh, like, no. could it get any worse? Like, <laughs> Jesus. Well, like, we were literally just complaining about how they were doing their stupid releases, and then we're like congratulating them, like, "Good job on Pokemon." <laughs> no, no, no. You're absolutely right. They, it, hey, great job, Pokemon. No, great job, Nintendo, with Pokemon. Now we gotta talk about your fuck-ups. You're doing fucked up, Parappa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the Fire Emblem um, originals, right? The, the Japanese release onlys are coming over to America, and it was only limited run. Correct? Yeah, for the physical copies. They are putting yes. it on digital on, on Nintendo Switch as well. Yeah, but the digital is the digital limited time only, or is it this because that'll be the first time they put anything digital where they were like, no, we're gonna take it off the shop after a while. Got me, dude. I have no idea. The first time the first time they were doing that was with 3D All Stars. That's getting removed both physically and digitally off the market. And I believe it's going to be the same with fire with the with the Fire Emblem game. Yeah, see, I didn't hear anything about that with uh, 3D All Stars. Yeah, that's been that was announced early on before it was released, and people were fucking floored, and I can't blame them. Hmm. See, this is what confuses me, and maybe you can enlighten me. Oh, you're right. March 31st, 2020, approximately. It'll be delisted from the eShop. I want I need I need you to uh, explain something to me, Orlando. When sure. when the ambassador what? when the ambassador program came out for the 3DS for the early adopters on that that game, there wasn't nearly that much bitching from the community as a whole. Moreover, when the Four Sword Adventures thing that was was exclusive that had an exclusivity window came out i didn't hear anybody bitching and complaining about that i don't understand why we have no. this, why they can't have exclusivity in something and not create a sense of urgency with with this kind of thing i understand fomo is kind of a kind of a pisser thing to do to people but anybody doesn't know what that means fear of missing out so from then on i'm not going to yeah. repeat, repeat myself <laughs> FOMO, creating fomo has been one of those things that a lot of people have given company shit over but when it's implemented in a way that's given people a great deal of time to get access to the game in one form or another, I don't understand why people would get pissed off about this. 
Why do the why do they do that? Why don't they just have it out forever? Because games have a window of availability anyways. Why do you give a shit if this doesn't have well what if I don't have money or don't want to buy it now? Okay, then don't. Well, well, that's the thing. So I totally get you on that one part, but I will, I will, I will rebuke with the fans' idea that if the game is inevitably going to be lost anyway, wouldn't you want it to be available for as long as you possibly can before it's no longer available? There's a difference between where there's a difference between shutting it off artificially and shutting it off naturally because i get it every game is every game is going to have a shelf life there's there's going to be a point where it's not going to be available that's fine that's understandable that's the nature of the game but that would be that you would need to, that would mean uh developers at the very least to try to keep whatever they can open is available as long as possible. Think of Nintendo keeping the, uh, the Nintendo Wii shop open for as long as it was before it finally shut down. And that was so, while the Wii U still had a long lifespan. Hell, right now the Wii U eShop is still open. And almost nobody goes on there anymore. Let's be honest oh, yeah. here. Oh, yeah, they do. Do you know how many exclusive virtual console games are on the Wii U that people can't get access to on the Switch right now? Anybody who bought into the Absolutely. Wii U getting a Switch that. later? Dude, new Super Mario Bro- or Mario Brothers Advanced 4. It's the, the Mario yes. 3 remake. It has all the fucking uh, e- those e-reader card levels already implemented in it. And the yes. only way you can get it is from I there. I know. I have it. I have it. I got that the day that shit was released. I still have to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> so Fire Emblem, it, it looks like Fire Emblem, um, the limited the 30th anniversary edition is going to leave the eShop at the same time 3D All-Stars is. So it looks like March 31st. Damn. So you're that getting... Is, yeah. A- Effectively, you're getting. I'm going, and I'm going from the time Mario 3D All Stars was available, which was beginning of no, this no, no, month no. or end of last no, no, month, no. I believe, go is when with, it came out. Go with the go with the release of Fire Emblem. I'm I'm not going to be because mean, but whatever. We, Fine, I'll no, go with the release I'm of Fire Emblem. Which is, go ahead. Hmm. I was gonna say go with the release of Fire Emblem because if you're talking just about Fire Emblem, go with the release of Fire. You're going with both. Fine. I was. I was going with both. My statement was overall. I wasn't just talking about Fire Emblem. So any of the limited release, starting with starting with the the 3D All Stars pack, which I mean has its own problems, and even I'll admit that nothing was really improved upon any of the games, and they didn't. And I will agree with most people. You could have added Galaxy Two with no difficulty at all. Uh, but they didn't. But the game itself, whatever. It is what it is. So from the time it came out, which was the end of September or beginning of October, is that right? Uh, I said yes. last month. Yeah. So, so last month. Yeah. So you have, so, so you have September, October, November, December, January, February, March. You have half a year to acquire that game. And a little under half a year to acquire the fire the fire emblem pack, which isn't going to be sold at full price, by the way. 
to get all of those things. I'm pretty sure that's a big window. And I'm not even talking about the physical. I'm just purely stating overall what you have access to. Those people who can't get access to the physical copy, I, that does suck. But it's a limited run game anyways. And if LRG is the one, is it actually made by LRG? Or is it just a limited run in general, as in it's limited run printed by Nintendo? It looks like it's just printed by Nintendo. And if I recall, it's only a special edition, which comes with all that swag shit, right? Yep. It, what does it matter then? You spend the... How much is the uh, the oh. the retail price for the digital? Uh, it says forty nine ninety nine. I think that's the regular price. Oh, holy shit. And this is an old NES game, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Orlando. That's fucking bad. I think for, it is. For two fucking games, yeah. dude. This isn't, put a, this, isn't, this isn't the like a remake of Fire oh, Emblem. No. This is just the oh. original Famicom game fully translated. My bad. Like, uh, what the, the e fuck are you doing? The eShop price is 6 bucks. The swag uh, suggested retail price is $50. Okay, good. You okay, kind of had me Jesus, scared. For that's a little there. Yeah, so yeah. Who the fuck is going to pay $50 for a translated Famicom game? <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, yeah, the eShop, has, the eShop has it for six bucks. The uh, hard copy limited edition run, which if you're lucky to find it at 50 bucks because scalpers are already all over it, putting it up. I think the highest price uh, now is about Yeah, of course they are. 160 Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Collectors, man, that's fucking price. I'd rather, even if I couldn't fucking read it, I'd rather just get the original Famicom version. Excuse me. Yeah, it's six bucks. I can't see why people wouldn't pick that up, especially if you're a fan of Fire Emblem. I won't be picking it up because I'm not a fan of Fire Emblem. <laughs> so even if I miss out on this, it's like whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's totally cool. It's yeah. I just. Don't scare me with that $50 price tag on an NES game again. This is 1985. <laughs> no, it's for the physical. The $50 was the physical edition. Yeah. It looks like it's five. It's going to be $5.99 on the eShop for the digital. Which is fine. That's perfectly reasonable. As far as I'm concerned. That's, that's fair. If you're just, that's fair. Yeah, well, 3D All-Stars is out to about 10 bucks a game, right? Wasn't it like 30 or 40 no, it's a $60 game. It was, it was a $60 game, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. They really it's, charge? Well, it's 20 it's bucks 20. a game. That's still not bad. That's not bad. It's, but when you consider that, uh, let's see, I think Super Mario 64 has been sold as cheaply as $10 on the eShop, both the Wii U and the Wii eShop. And then Mario's Galaxy was in the Nintendo Selects for for quite some time it still is actually so i don't know i feel like they're inflating the price a little bit it it honestly it should be free they should just open up their fucking rom shit and give it to you for free <laughs> on the nintendo online and i will always be i mean anything anything old any old title i think should be put up on the nintendo online now, my speculation notwithstanding about them wholesale taking taking uh, ROMs that have already been translated into account calling them their own, because I'm not gonna say that. I'm not I'm not gonna make any allegations that I don't feel like trying to back up at this point. 
in a, in a, in a, in a, in a realistic perspective, the translation and porting over is half the reason why it would be sold for six bucks at all. Considering they had to do the same thing with Earthbound Beginnings, which came out for the Wii U, um, mm. that, that that was still like a five or six dollar game too. So I'll give them that they're giving you two games that they had to go and translate themselves and put on and be be functional and be a functional ROM on your Switch. So fine, six dollars is worth paying for. I I, I will cons- I will confess that I'm not going to say anything about any that anything that may have occurred in back and back alleys or dark corners because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate. I'm not I'm not one of those people. At least not with this. Right. Um, I'm trying to think like what else. Oh, um, I've now figured out how to take apart a Joy-Con and replace the joysticks. So if you have drifting issues, um, I can replace those. <laughs> uh, Joy-Con pr- prices are also dropping to forty bucks uh, a Joy-Con instead of the eighty dollars price tag that they've been sitting at. So that's good. So if you got a problem, you can just go out and buy a new one. Issue here is. Like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, if you have a gray or a special edition Joy-Con, you cannot get the replacements for that. So, well, there goes my plan. Yeah, yeah, because um, I have the Smash, I have the Smash, I got the Smash Bros. Yeah, but it's easy enough to replace that. It's easy enough to actually replace that um, stick. So, like I said, and the, it's actually inexpensive for the part, so it's really easy to do, and I have all the tools for it. So, um, maybe I'll go into business fixing uh, drifting Joy Cons. <laughs> I, I may take up on your offer. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you can pick up the 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 part for you get like a pack of four for fifteen bucks, and even if I charge twenty bucks a Joy Con to fix them, it still it makes me a profit. And it's cheaper than buying a replacement. So, or you could just do what I do and go for a third-party one because there's a couple on on uh, Amazon right now that are sub forty bucks for two, and it gets its own and it has its own uh, uh, slide-in cradle for when you want to play it in uh, um, uh, portable mode or dock mode. I don't trust uh, third-party docks. Um... After watching, I think it's Wolf Den, he did a whole thing on it. There's a certain way that the port reads, and it will brick the switch if uh, after a while. Uh, not all of them will brick it, and not you won't get that issue every single time. But the chance of that, that happening makes me not want to use a third-party dock. And docks are actually kind of cheap. So, Because all you really need is the, the Nintendo Charger. And then everything else, um, you can use the Nintendo parts, and they sell the docks. So um, for me, I don't want to take the risk of breaking my Switch, so I'm going to only use Nintendo docks. I don't know about the Joy-Cons. Joy-Con thing is a whole different thing. But, I mean, if I figure if I got one and the price now is cheaper, I might as well just stay with the Nintendo shit. No, I wasn't talking about using docks. I was talking about you know how the uh, Joy Cons have that uh, harness that you can slide into them, so you can play them like a like a regular controller, like a pro controller. That's what oh, I was referring yeah, to. Yeah, no, yeah. I would never use a Joy. I would never use one of the third party docks. That's that's ridiculous. No, no. 
Yeah. What's wrong with using the joy toy? <laughs> joy toy just as Honestly, good though, as I'm, joy cons. I'm actually shocked it took. <laughs> I'm actually shocked it took Nintendo three years to drop the price on the joy cons, especially now when it's like damn near impossible to fucking find a switch for people. Well, I take that back. The Animal Crossing switches, they actually reprinted them and there's a whole wave coming that just came back out. So uh, Animal Crossing switches are going are gonna to be hitting the market for Christmas time. But um, Whoa. Yeah. That was actually huge. I didn't think they were going to re-release it. I thought once they released a special edition, that, that's all they were going to have. They've been re-releasing Super Mario Brothers for the past 30, 40 years. It's going to stop them from releasing a special edition if they're willing to whore out one of their best-selling games. Oh, that's the funny thing, too, that I realized that, uh, okay, Super Mario Brothers is also is available for free along with the Nintendo Switch service on the NES uh, online thing. But you can also buy the arcade version on the Switch's eShop. What the hell? Yeah. Um, so like you <laughs> You guys are gonna make me work for this one, are you? <laughs> move on to the next target. Sure, why not? Move on to the next topic, old B. Oh fuck me. All right. Um what do we got? Homebrews and ROM hacks? I don't know where we're going with that one. We've been talking about so What are you doing? Me? Oh, speaking of Super Mario Brothers, I just felt like playing a new round of Super Mario Brothers on my Super Nintendo uh, from the All-Stars port, the one that has the Super Mario World uh, in it. How about you do that not while we're podcasting there, Sailor? I'm not getting tagged by Nintendo for copyright because you're playing music in the background. All right. Jesus. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Christ. This is bad as when we were in 2018, your phone was randomly going off with Nintendo noises. Made me flinch because I felt like (laughs) Nintendo's lawyers were going to descend from the ceiling. Where is is the copy of Super Mario Brothers you'll be playing on through the music? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I posted, I put the, uh, the abundance of ROM hacks and homebrewing because we were kind of talking about something similar last week when we were talking about, um, 
how Nintendo comes down on all of these ROM sites and all these fan projects like a hammer. But yeah. like looking like I spent like the net last week because I watch a couple of YouTubers who cover uh, cover those kind of things like uh, SNES drunk and uh, the abundance of NES ROM hacks and SNES ROM hacks is just fucking overwhelming. But moreover, just like across the board, it's just astounding to see all the really awesome stuff. Like I have a couple of ROM hacks on uh, that that I've seen that I, I'm like like Super Mario. Uh, what is it? Super Mario Three. I don't remember. Super Mario. I believe I believe it's Super Mario Bros. Three Mix. Three Mix. Thank you. That game is gorgeous and it's not even kaizo hard it's it's a little bit more difficult and it's and it's a unique experience with unique power-ups like that's awesome to see people do that kind of shit and it really does expand out the library and of available mario stuff as as long as you have the means to play it and and i'm personally i find that fucking amazing well, remember, um, I know you were doing it. I was thinking about doing it since I have like seven 3DSs. Was um, hacking one of the 3DSs and using the um, the SIM cards. Remember? Oh yeah, that especially as the the 3DS phases out and that kind of stuff, and that and it becomes basically an obsolete thing. It's never going to be obsolete fully, but you know what I mean. But when their right. shop goes down and they're not putting out any more updates for it. That's pretty much the end. I mean, for the most part, they're, they've stopped all retail of 3DS, 2DS, 2DS XL. Yep. Discontinued. Well, it had to manufacturing for those have been discontinued. Yep. And that was all recently right, in the last month or two. So the, yep. as long as there's, but the funny part is, is like when the when COVID hit, a bunch of people were buying up portable gaming systems, switches, 3DSs, anything they could get their hands on. Because they all knew they were in for the long fucking haul, and they wanted to grab as much hardware and software as they could before they were locked in locked in their in their uh, little gilded cages. So I'm kind of gl- I'm kind of glad I have mine, and my son has his. Because you never fucking know what's going to happen at this point. They just discontinued the 3DS family, uh, September of 2020. Yep, last month. Yep. And yes, I, you should. Yeah, I absolutely think you should go and and uh, and jailbreak your 3ds at this point because the the amount of homebrew and stuff that they have available is fucking amazing. Plus emulators and stuff. Send me, your, you, <clears throat> send me your friend codes. <laughs> Pretty much. Holy crap, dude! They discon. How do you discontinue special edition 3ds's and then have them drop? that is ridiculous okay there's a few not, that are because there's not that because there was because. a lot of special edition ones and not all of them were hits yeah that's true that's like i think out of, i think out of the ones they made i think the only two that uh, that i knew that had any retain retained value were the uh the majora's mask one the Hylian map one that uh, the game that GameStop came out with, and I think the Persona uh, Grimoire uh, blue blue Grimoire one was also pretty, pretty decently priced. Yeah, it looks like uh, what about uh, Sun and Moon went through. What about the, the 2013 uh, Luigi of the Year edition one? I thought that one was pretty cool. 
I don't know did about that product. Make any good sales? I don't, at that point, you'd have to go to eBay and check the pricing on that one. But from what Jason's telling me, some of them actually dipped. I know there was an, I think there was a, a special edition dude. Animal Crossing one. And I think Jason was right. I think there is a, an, X and y, an X and Y special edition one as well. Uh, Sun and Moon is at. Yeah, sitting. I remember that one. Sun and Moon's sitting at 200 bucks right now. Actually, that's not too bad. No, the retro one, the one that looks like the NES controller, it's only sitting. It's sitting at 150. That's also not bad. No, maybe oh, people oh, sure they go. They jump up in price. The yellow edition Pikachu. Uh, okay, those were used. These are brand new ones. The yellow edition Pikachu, brand new, 500. The uh, still in box. Son of a bitch. Still in box, Sun and Moon, four hundred dollars. Um, the. Oh. Lime green special edition Yoshi one seven hundred dollars. I wonder the how the fuck. Uh, yep. I wonder how the uh, the red and blue special edition uh, new 3ds one is looking for CIB. Um, let me see. Oh, with the different covers. Yeah, that's right. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, my son got that. Unfortunately, his is in bad shape, but. Don't matter if he uses it. 300 used. That's pretty expensive. I can only see the complete box. Holy shit. Brand new. New in box. Pokemon 20th anniversary. $1,200. God damn. Son of a bitch. I'm glad I still got mine. (laughs) It's It's not even three years old yet. No, they discontinued it. Dude, it was hard to get back then. No, no. The... Yeah, you're right. No, you're, I, I got did... lucky. Son. Let me actually see um, if I could find sold. But yeah, like when that when that spe- when the when the anniversary uh, red and blue new two, new three DS came out. That thing was hard as fuck to get a hold of pre-order. So I'm glad I managed to get a hold of it back then. So sold recently, brand new, $401, $330, $460, $549. These are brand new in box. Are these buy it going higher and higher? Mm-hmm. Are these buy it nows or are these uh, auctions? Um, I'll tell you right now. It looks like a lot of these are. Oh no, the five five hundred was a buy it now. Jesus. Um, let me see. This one used two hundred and thirty four ninety nine. Buy it now. Uh, a bid. One went up for bid five hundred and forty nine dollars. Uh, another one two twenty five bids three hundred and thirty dollars. Twenty two bids four hundred and one dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have the fucking nope on that one. These are in the recent months. Oh, man, I'm so glad I got it. Well, I got one, and it works. Orla- <laughs> yeah, dude. Orlando. All that luck. Orlando, considering your turnover rate on 3DSs, I'm surprised you don't have eight of them in reserve. <laughs> Fuck no, man. It, why would I? What would I have eight in reserve? That's near. That's over a grand if we're talking with taxes here. Fuck that. <laughs> so you're saying you spent over a grand in 3DSs already. Gotcha. All right. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I've got to stand. I can no, actually right now I have. I think right now I have three. I have a 2DS and two 3DSs. <laughs> hey, they're all functional, goddammit. I didn't break these. I'm all right, if we want to include the broken ones, that would go to, we would double that. <laughs> and then we have to include the ones I lost, which would go up another three. God damn it, I'm horrible with this shit. Christ. Anyway, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> No, I think I think I found a new display item to put up. That's pretty fucking cool. I didn't even know those were going that expensive. But now we know. Um I think I still even have the box for that fucker somewhere. I I keep all my boxes. Wait, dude. wait. I keep everything. I even still have the plastic that came wait, that, Jason. That came in. <laughs> Jason, how much how much is it for the uh for the new Super Mario Bros. 2 2DS? Um I don't. I haven't even looked up two DSs. Let me see what, if those are even. I bet you those aren't going to be as much. I bet you those are sitting around twenty bucks. Let me see. So anyway, get, getting back to getting back to what I was talking about while he's looking up the pricing, like with the abundance of like Raspberry Pis and emulation on computers and emulation with hacked devices, like like. It really, it really, there should be a, but there's definitely better archival of games, but like the, the mutations that have occurred because of that archival, I think is actually really commendable, even in the face of stuff like Nintendo's, you know, sweeping with their dick and just hitting everybody in the fucking face about things. I feel like there's actually the, the, the vibrance of it with, with the different things, like the amount of, the amount of ROM hacks for Legend of Zelda just taking the original one and turning the source code and making it a better game, which I'm sure Orlando's happy about, considering how much you hate the first fucking game. Fuck yeah! God damn, man. But but, the, but they're actually improving upon that, or building an actual, like, Link to the Past on an NES, on an NES reproduction cart, that's fucking astounding levels of dedication to IP's that you people just want to see a D make of at some point. Like I've seen people, I've seen fucking rudimentary, but really like that's from the perspective of somebody who played the games, a chrono trigger D make for the NES, which actually wasn't too bad. Even with the, you know, inclusion of a drill in there and a Kakuna, I don't know why you do what you got to do for sprites. I, I'm not going to ask mm-hmm. questions. So the uh, 2DS Super Mario Brothers consoles, uh, eighty-two bucks. There you go. Wow. Yeah, 2DSs are just uh, as cheap as I thought they were going to be. Even the special edition ones sit about one hundred and sixty, but regular 2DSs pick them up for twenty-five bucks. Fair it's enough. It's to grab them because, like my my son, tends to overuse the shit out of my uh, my my new 3DS. And I don't. Eventually, something's gonna break on that fucking thing. I'm at the strang. I'm gonna have to strangle him for it. Yeah, you can. Not pick it I was about to say either the Drew is thinking he's either the 3ds, either the 3ds is gonna break or the kid's gonna break. Well, if you if you'd actually seen his special edition uh, red and blue one, like the 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 hinge on the screen is really really flappy. 
not completely, but like it doesn't latch correctly anymore. It doesn't want to play DS games at all anymore. And like he says of the battery, like, well, the, the power will randomly go out on it, even though he charged it for a decent amount of time. So it's just like, all right, you're probably getting close to needing a new, t- uh, getting one of those new cell phone looking 2DSs probably. And considering they're cheap enough, that might be a good purchase if he's going to keep playing those games. I mean, if he's not, I'm not going to fucking waste my money, especially because, right. I mean, he's still playing Animal Crossing. He still does Fortnite and all that other stuff. So I don't know. That's that's entirely up to up to his wants. I know he's asking for a Chromebook for Christmas, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> no, I mean um, the handhelds. Like I I tried to keep them around. I th- I still had an advanced for the longest time until it finally shit out on me. Same then, here. I have two advances right now. Yeah. So I, cause I still have, I still have all my old like red, green, uh, or emerald. Those, those games on the advanced. So I was like, man, like maybe every once in a while I do go back and play them. Like if Pokemon's the, the exception to like old consoles for me, because that one, those are the ones that I kind of look at and I'm like, I'm going to replay it on that console. So, which is well, fine. Because, suggestion. Go ahead. You can, from the way they have it set up, you can literally bring stuff from the original red and blue games all the way up until Sword and Shield. If you, you know, you do all the transfers because they have the ability to transfer all the way up. So, well, so the virtual console versions, anyway. So, here's a suggestion for you, gentlemen, because you do use your, you do go for the GBA stuff. I recommend you buy the non-backlit ones because they're stupid fucking cheap, and then just buying the kits to upgrade them to an LE to, to a lit background, because overall the price for it instead of trying to buy one of like the AGS one hundred ones, which is the um the the preferential GBA SPs that people want to buy with the better backlit sp- screen, it's so much cheaper just to buy the 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 clam the clam or not the clam the uh the 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 original one and just upgrading it. Because the battery life on it isn't too bad, and you can also buy an AC adapter for it if it really bothers you too much. Plus, they have rechargeable battery packs and shit. You're still going to break break cheaper than you would trying to get a GBASP uh, uh, with the the AGS 101 model. Because there's those things are at, those things are still in the 70 to 80 mark, whereas the original GBAs are sitting at like the 20 and 30 dollar mark, and the upgrade kits are barely another 20 or 30 on them on their own. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of have to lay off the retro systems right now until I get stuff sorted out. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm the same way right now. Yeah, I have two two working old Nintendo systems, and I just within like the last like year replaced the pins on one of them, which is the way they made consoles back then to compare to now. <laughs> it's like night and day like shit just does not break on those old ones and they were just, it was just bent pins and um when i had to bend it back this is to, for the cartridge portion of it when i went to go bend it back the thing snapped on me so i had to order like a whole new like pin tray which apparently they still make and i fixed it for like under like 20 bucks <laughs> so i have two completely working nintendos that's awesome dude, dude. nice yeah, and I'm then there's me who who managed to find a clone Famicom system, and I love that fucking thing, dude. I have one of those like cheap like thirty dollar like minis, 
the knockoff ones where you, they have like six versions of Contra on it. And when they say they give you like 400 games. <laughs> yeah. No, but- Drew has something similar in cartridge form for his uh, Famicom or from the NES. So I have them both. Actually, I managed to get the, the one that I got for my NES was on Etsy. Someone actually made a compilation uh, NES cart. And it's all real games. There's no one one of those 42,001 things. They actually have, it's like 101, and they're all real. They're all concurrent, viable NES games. Nice. And as far as the, as far as the, uh, the Famicom one, when I bought the, uh, the clone Famicom, which it actually plays Famicom games, so I, that's why I'm okay with it. And you can unplug the controllers, which you can't do with an original Famicom, so you're not going to hear me argue. Um, it came with its own, uh, its own little uh, bootleg cart that came with it. And I ended up picking up, uh, you, you, they call it USA Mario in, uh, in Famicom. So that, that, that as oh. well. I also, have, I also have Parodius. So that's Mario USA. Yes. Yeah. Parodius is actually kind of fun. God, that fucking screen slow yes. down. Just kind of agonizing. Can we, can we talk about for a second, the scum of the earth people that try to sell, um, ROMs in the cartridges as actual games to fucking collectors. And I have no problem with them creating it. I have no problem with them selling it. I have a problem when they're trying to pass it off as an original for the people that are actually out there to collect the original shit. Like, for me, having it on a cartridge to play on my old system, I, I'll buy it. Like, I will. But I'm not going to pay regular price for it because... I know it's not the real thing. I know you do have to put some time into it. I get that, but I'm not buying it at the fucking collector price. That is like five, 6,000 times more than what you've done. (laughs) So if I want an original, I'll pay for the fucking original, but don't sell me something and tell me it's original. And it's clearly a fake. The best way to go about this and being somebody who's and uh, Orlando will back me up on this one. Um, being someone who's followed uh, Pat the NES Punk for as long as I have, and his podcast, he's done a, he's done a lot of uh, he's done a lot of um, uh, segments about people who do that exact thing. They're, his segment's called Scumbag Seller of the Week, and like mm. they talk about people who are selling reproduction uh, the the Nintendo Championship cards and fucking uh stadium events which is or which is supposed to be like a really expensive one or the the fucking uh, uh that one flintstones game that's supposed to that was only a uh a blockbuster exclusive like they he they go after anybody who's being who, who's selling that shit on ebay for full price or near full price when um it's not real like reproduction carts like i said you and i are on the same wavelength i don't care if people make repros as long as it's a, it's being made aware that that does that, because like there are actual legitimate sites that do that kind of shit, and they know what they're doing. Like there's a I think I don't know if they're still around, but back in the day, it used to be NES Reproductions was the actual name of the website. But I'm sure there's a shit ton more that do the same thing, and they clearly tell you that it's a reproduction. It's not real. The label says it's a reproduction on there. There's no there's no illusions about that. But then you have the assholes who probably buy from them peel the label off, print a new fucking fresh glossy and put it on there and try and sell it as the real thing. Like, I can't imagine how many young Samsons probably got out there that weren't real young Samsons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't have a, I don't have a problem with ROMs because, like, 
I just don't like sometimes you just want to play the fucking game. And that's I hate, hate people. And it really pisses me off with things like collectibles, like toys, stuff like that, because they're there's some things that I want to buy, like like we'll say Pokemon wise, because that's the majority of my um, like collectibles and stuff. If I'm buying something, I want the original fucking thing. So I will go out of my way to find someone that will specifically like be able to show me this is the original fucking thing and not a reproduction of this fucking of the thing I need. And they're doing it with pop finals now, too, because all the pop finals all have the same fucking shape. They're just different paint to them. Effectively. So, yeah. So and I, like that's what they're doing. They're 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 buying because of the market, <laughs> the secondary market for this shit, they're buying old, they're buying like cheap um, pop vinyls and then changing them into new ones. Like the uh, bank robber Joker is like a $700 pop vinyl. Damn. Yeah. So essentially, and that's the- we're looking at the nerds equivalent of melting gold, thinning it out selling it as if though it was the same thing but it obviously has a lesser value since it was literally stripped away of its value yeah but they they do it with shoes too every every thing that has some has a collector to it has a reproduction portion to it like look like look look at Magic the gathering they're they're fucking people that print their cards all over the place and like i get like even with magic, there is a market for that type of stuff. The markets that it does kill are the miniature markets because you have sculptors that are putting out these pieces that if you buy the pieces from them, you you're supporting them to keeping the form going for them to put out new miniatures. So for them, for like people who reap like the Chinese reproductions of that type of stuff, even like forge world type of stuff, it, if, it hurts the market. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you're going to buy a reproduction at the full fucking price, which is disgusting. <laughs> I think at that point, you would just have to make sure that if, you, especially because those communities tend to be pretty um, social, at least online. I imagine with, especially with 40 K there are places people can look and ask those questions, be like, Hey, I'm looking for a unique sculpt like this. Where can I buy it legit without having to pay, you know, stupid prices? More than likely, the, at least one or two people off the off the bat are going to know where that where they need to go and send them the links necessary. Can I, people suddenly can people stumble and accidentally buy shit that they shouldn't be getting? That happens all the time. And what mm-hmm. ends and with that kind of situation, you just need to be aware. You need to have people who, especially because in a lot of cases, collectors tend to be pretty tight knit because you have a bunch of like. Um, message boards that people follow like Nintendo age and Atari age. Those people are well-knit communities who will absolutely help you and Sherpa you through any situation with that kind of stuff and ensure that you don't end up stepping on a landmine that you can't end up cleaning up, especially financially. Cause some people will go get a complete, get a complete inbox item, not realize that it's, you know, it, it's, it's not real and try and get it graded. And then when they get it graded by PSA and they're just like, it's not worth anything. I don't know what to tell you. They're stuck holding the bag. And in most cases, they by the time they get that stuff taken care of, 
they end up get they end up being out out the money because they can't charge back on that stuff or contact eBay in the time frame because they've kept it for too long. You just got to be aware of that kind of stuff, and if you know you're going to go into doing that kind of collecting, or in the case of especially with Warhammer, that kind of transaction. Oh, the, it's not even Warhammer. Like I just bought. Um, this actually just recently happened to me. I was on eBay looking for uh, something new to paint. It wasn't even like a Warhammer figure. I bought a Jack Sparrow figure, and it was sculpted by a guy for a specific company for a reason. And I don't remember what the reason was, but I I purchased it, and then I immediately saw that it was being shipped from China, and I wasn't going to have it for two months. So then I knew that this was a reproduction. So I went out of my way to find out who created this model. And I ended up just paying the company. I said, hey, I bought a reproduction. I really meant to buy it from you. Can I give you the money that I paid for this miniature? And I'll just keep the reproduction. I just want you guys to get the money that you know is owed to you, basically. So I ended up paying double for the, mo- for the model. And um, I, got a, I ended up getting like a reproduction which I mean, I mean, I'm okay with because I mean, I need, I wanted to paint and stuff, but at least I went out of my way this time to be like, hey, who created this? Who can I give the money to? And like, I want to make up for it type thing. Because I mean, that's what happens is some of these guys, they literally just stop sculpting because they don't, they're, like their income gets cut down by some guy buying an original one and then making copies of it. Well, yeah, because as long as they have the ability to create the mold, they can just repro whatever repro what he ended up creating, and that's where that's right. the kind of dick move shit that that would kind of piss well, me off too. Well, in some cases, you don't even need the mold. Three D printers are a thing now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you have to you have to literally recreate the three D imaging. If you if you didn't create it and you don't have access to the file, you you have to create it off the physical copy. But let that's true. But let's say you have it. Let's say you have it. Then it's easy pickings. No, yeah, hundred percent. But that's why people are charging what they're charging for STL files and like three D printing files now, because they know that it's going to get out somewhere, <laughs> and people are going to share their file because that's how it happens. But at least people are able to create something and sell off the digital copy to people. So people have access to print it themselves. So they don't actually have to, you know, take on the manufacturing costs of producing it. It, 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 That is the, that is the headache, but also you have to understand with the, with the way the internet works anyways, even charging for STL files is a risky endeavor anyways, because here's what happens. All one person has to do is play grenade, get the file itself. It's not copyright protected or anything. They just take it and just put it onto a fucking torrent site. Anybody can get access to it with very minimal difficulty. Mm-hmm. You just have to basically do it like this. If you're, if you're, especially if you're a model maker like that, you need to go make the fucking model, sell for as long as you can until it runs out and work on a new model. You need to be constantly keep moving. Otherwise, you might as well not waste your time. You might as well make it a fan, uh, make it a make it a hobby situation where you're just like, "Hey, I did this. Here's the STL file for it. Anybody can go and make it. I don't care. Have fun. If you want to donate to me, so be it. Because if you're trying to charge Somebody, for that kind of stuff in a situation where people can get access to that 
with very little difficulty, either by reverse engineering or just posting, just putting the STL file up somewhere. It doesn't matter. The, 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 the uniqueness of the item will be gone probably by the end of a end of a, the week, by the time you start posting that kind of stuff on the internet for sale, it's just easier to go about it in, in a more fan capacity than trying to turn it into a legitimate business is what I'm saying. No, I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. And as far as video games are concerned, Orlando, you're usually a you're a real McCoy kind of collector, so you really don't give a shit about repros in general. But I know that you want, especially when you go to GameStop or like a retro store, I imagine you keep an eye out for like the telltale signs because you've been in this for a while, right? Yeah, look, I generally do. I would prefer if I had the original cop. Absolutely. If I must get a repro, if I have to get. It, it's not the worst thing in the world for me. Absolutely not. Because as long as I'm playing the game, then I'm all good. But Fair enough. In, but I would rather. But I would rather have the original copy if I can make that happen. Because now, there's real, there's really no need for me to get if if the original is available for me to 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 get. There's really no need for me unless money is the issue. Agreed. Especially money will always be the deciding factor on whether you go for a, a real thing or not. It also depends on the item itself. In most cases, yeah, if you're really. collecting, in most cases, if you're collecting, you're probably going for complete inbox with all the with all the manuals and all the inserts. And that's a separate thing by contrast to just playing the game. For me, if it's if it's a reproduction and it's well and it's named as a reproduction and they're selling it for reproduction costs, which if I recall, I think the window for I think the the price for those. Uh, if, uh, as far as NES reproductions are concerned, I think they charge twenty five with shipping because they actually go and they take an an NES shell and they make the board for it. So they actually have to go through the effort of creating it. So that makes sense. And usually they only choose games that are either have no English patch uh, or they, and they have an English patch and they're patching it from a Famicom game, or it's a really expensive game like little samson stadium events stuff like that and make it available in that and they and like i said they actively mark them as reproductions yeah don't like i said if like if the price is astronomical and somebody just wants a copy to have a copy and you're marketing it as a reproduction to sell it at a cheaper price i think that's 100 percent fair but don't don't sell me the full price thing when i'm looking for you know the real fucking thing yeah, exactly. Don't don't be pulling that sneaky fox shit and trying to play it off as it's the legit thing. Right. Yeah, that's gonna you're 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 gonna your head's gonna be rolling on the floor before you know it. For me, it's all about doing the research. If if you were because it's an endeavor, when someone goes and buys like a complete in box game, they and there he goes. Ghosted <laughs> once more. Dunzo. You should really play the Dig Dug theme when you clear the level. That way it looks like he <laughs> failed. Miserable. I know. Oh, he was really getting into it too. <laughs> well, found it. Well, I just sent him a message. Yeah, so did I. 
Hey, I'm, hey, I think we're getting pretty quick on the draw on these, so you're not going to hear me argue. Anyway, so what's next on the docket? Uh, China's overreaching influence on popular media companies that benefit off of it. And I don't know where to go with this. So I'll let you guys handle this, this one. Or- <laughs> this is a me and Orlando scenario. Go ahead, Orlando. Okay, everyone. So this week, Sony decided to get a little political and uh, drop a uh, BLM wallpaper free for everyone as a sign of unity and support for the black community. You know, I'm not, I'm all for that. That's perfectly cool. Fine by me. You know what I don't like, though? Uh, Going ahead and uh, displaying your love and support for a group of people while totally fucking downplaying and basically screwing over another group of people for cash money for all fucking things because that's what they decided to do with their Hong Kong precinct it got leaked and a the official Sony um Hong Kong license agreement where it was the terms were if you criticize the Chinese government in any f- shape or form you will be banned no ifs and or buts. So congratulations. You are now suppressing free speech to an entire group of people while trying to say that another group of people deserve all the f- deserve all that same shit. Or should I say the opposite shit. Wonderful job, guys. And I wonder why you are deciding to do such a thing. It couldn't obviously... No, no, it couldn't obviously have anything to do with that cash money that China's offering. No, nothing. Nothing like that at all. No. No. What would I you think, think, Joel? I think the biggest, biggest criticism I have for that is that the BLM um, poster thing came about six months too late. I think that at this point, they should have just done nothing then i mean i get it but (laughs) it's too late like you you're like the wagon has already passed and you didn't jump on and now you're like you want to get involved too now all of a sudden no because they they made an announcement officially on twitter about be uh, about black lives ladder matter my apologies so i wouldn't necessarily say they weren't on the that they did they they jumped on the train too late. I think it's more like they wanted to cash in even more as things went by and they weren't expecting to get caught with their pants down when it came to Hong Kong shortly after. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at that. You can't possibly tell me that you're for one group and then totally against another. This is true. This is true. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, this has been an overarching thing for a while now. Uh, anybody who's familiar with the company Tencent, uh, they have yes. their, their, their Chinese company that deals in digital media for video games. I believe they're actually in a couple other types of digital media, but yeah, they're all over the place. And they're a Chinese-backed company, 
that's literally all over the place. I don't know. If I, if it were me, I'd be a little leery about that kind of shit. Wait, can we can you explain the Hong Kong thing to me? Because I have no idea what's happening in Hong Kong. They're from Hong Kong, aren't they? No, no. Sony is a Japanese-based company, but they have a they 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 have um what do you call it? They have a chain in um in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Now Hong Kong is supposed to be now officially under Chinese uh, jurisdiction. Yeah, there is the a. Treaty. Thanks to their government and, coming in and basically killing anybody that didn't agree with them. Yeah. Exactly right. So Sony, being that it sounds like they're being paid cash to, uh, you know, to look the other way, have added to their user agreement for Hong Kong only. Obviously, they're not doing it for everywhere else. It's just for Hong Kong. It's if you criticize the Chinese government in any way, we're banning you from from our service. Hmm. So. <laughs> okay. I think I, found, I think I found what you guys are talking about. The Sony PSN rules of conduct. You may not use your account or uh, use PSN in, in any way to create, reproduce, publish, or disassemble or disseminate any information which opposes the basic principle in the Constitution of the People's Republic of China endangers the security of the People's Republic of China or divulges um, PRC state secrets or jeopardizes the sovereignty of the unification of the PRC, damages the honor and interest of the PRC, violates PRC policies on religion or propagates heresies and superstitions, disseminates rumors, disrupts social order and or undermines social stability, disseminates obscenity, pornography, gambling, violence, or instigates others to commit crimes, is prohibited by the PRC law, administrative regulations, and other provisions. There you go. Wow. Wow. Fun stuff, huh? Have fun, kitties. But if you even mention one bad thing about China... You know what it is? I think it's because, well, everybody, even Google, has to censor their way into um, what are you like t- China. What are you talking about? Google is banned in China. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's it's certain- not that it's even censored. China themselves censors them. They block them entirely. No, you don't. There is no Google in China. They have their own browser. So, yes, that's what I'm saying. So basically, if Sony wants to say, keep making sales there, like they had to do something. Yes. In other words, they want that Chinese. It's not like they're being paid directly by the Chinese government. I'm making fun that they want to make do business there. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, they have to abide by Chinese regulation, restriction and rule. And they're doing so with the, full, uh, with the full knowledge of knowing that means they have to do shit like this. While they're also preaching to other parts of the world about the, about the injustices 
of another group and that there's they stand for that particular group all the way. It's kind of like that Bethesda shit with the LBGTQ uh, Pride Month thing where they would uh, show their banner in, uh, in Pride colors except in countries that are totally anti-LBGTQ, like the Middle East. It's the same hypocritical shit. Yeah. See, I, Hong, I knew Hong Kong was going to be a fucking issue once Britain basically gave them back to the Hong or to the Chinese um, mainland. Hmm. We all knew, that way. But, but people also hope that with the with Hong Kong having a it's basically it's a. It's free period between uh, between states of control that it would have developed its it would develop it its own, but China forced its way into absorbing it almost immediately. Hence yep. the uh, hence the police brutality reports. There's fucking petitions to reverse the policies. Oh my god. <laughs> of course there's Of course there's going to be petitions to reverse the policies. And I bet you they aren't even being done by the people of Hong Kong because they clearly can't do they can't. that. I bet it's you they can't even see outside. Them. Yeah, I bet you they can't. They're probably doing their best to censor it because it's all about that filthy communist cash. That's ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. And filthy Frank is cleaner than this. What the fuck? Mm. True that. All right. Well, uh, to, to get into oh, you got something else? No, I got nothing. I, I'm just been I've just been enjoying the back and forth. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <That's, laughs> I don't really want to get into fucking Hong Kong politics because I feel so. No, no, it's fine. This it, isn't but... the channel for it. But when right. you know yeah. you have games involved in it, you have to at least touch up on something. Oh my god! All right, well, uh, let's move on to another deep fucking topic. Because <laughs> we we obviously. <laughs> We obviously only take it deep, like Rod Jeremy would say. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we could we could either segue into our own pop culture and politics, um, or we can go into the legal matters that Watsi is facing at the moment. <laughs> oh yes, I'm gonna leave you guys with that one. This is the heaviest fucking podcast I think we're gonna do. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Setting the bar high there, Jason. My goodness. I know. Fuck my life, dude. Let's talk about By all means, discuss. Be the the angry war gamer you were destined to be. Yeah, right. No. I I feel... (laughs) I have a certain uh, type of political view that uh, usually ends up getting called me one of the far left or far right at any given moment. Uh, So I will stay out of that. (laughs) Here, uh, I will read you the article from ABC News from October 21st, 2020. Uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez turned into a widely popular gaming platform, Twitch, to encourage young people to vote and become one of the platform's most viewed streams of all time 
on Tuesday evening. The Democratic Congresswoman from New York live streamed herself playing Among Us, a space themed game on Tuesday evening at uh, at its peak drew in 435,000 live viewers, according to Twitch. This cemented her in the top five on the record board for the Twitch's most concurrent viewers on a stream, according to the game site uh, GenX. Okay, I didn't even know that was a site. Twitch confirmed AOC's stream as one of the biggest in the comment in a comment to ABC News, but said that the gaming icon Ninja, who live streamed a Fortnite session with rapper Drake in 2018, is still was still at the number one spot. Fellow progressive Democratic, where the fuck did they go? Democratic Congresswoman Ilian Omar also joined in on the game uh, on the gaming session on Tuesday, along with some of Twitch's most popular gamers, including Myth. Since the live version ended and the video was posted on Twitch, Ocasio-Cortez's stream went uh, on to garner some 4.7 million views total. Thank you all so much for joining my first ever Twitch stream. I guess uh, I hope it's not the last. What? <laughs> oh my god! I still kind of, I'm still kind of getting my bearings out here. So we'll see. Ocasio-Cortez said on Twitch. Uh, first things first. If you were able to vote. We are here. I will vote.com. Make sure that uh, you make your voting plan. If you can't vote, if you're under the age of 18 or (laughs) there it is. If you're, if you are this, that, or the other, make sure you talk to someone who can vote and direct them to I will vote.com and make sure they get their vote, uh, their voting plan in place. She added. So So she played with. Hassan the Hun, Disguised Toast, MXM Tune, Jacksepticeye, Dr. Lupo, Valkyrie, Gus Buckets, Corpse Husband, Moist Critical, and Pokimane. I know only two of those fucking people on that list. I know a couple of them. I know the only reason I know those two is because, I, well, you know Jack, because we all know Jack from, from YouTube. But yeah. Pokimane, because she's been in the goddamn, she's been in the Twitch drama sphere for God knows how long, and it's been fucking bothersome. Disguise mm-hmm. Toast, I know too, and Moist Critical, I know. I think I might have heard of Moist Critical at least once. Uh, the name is sounds familiar, but I don't fucking care. A lot of that Twitch sphere bullshit just goes over my fucking head because, like, I don't have the I don't have the energy or the attention span to stay on a Twitch stream for longer than a few minutes. Yeah. Is that fair enough? <clears throat> um, who did she talk to? I mean, l- let's be perfectly honest. The majority of the people who are on there are genuinely trying to make money, and I don't feel like p- taking up real estate for someone who's willing to throw throw their pocket change at them for whatever fucking reason they do so. Dopamine hit, <laughs> feeling like they're com- contributing to something better, b- greater than themselves. I don't fucking care. People have their own reasons for doing doing stuff with their money and i'm not going to judge them specific solely based on that i'm not here to what is it what is it called simp shaming or whatever the fuck it's called whatever i don't care do whatever the fuck you want yeah but she's literally she's clearly talking okay so she apparently she had a conversation with um bomber guy uh, who lives in the uk about the free healthcare system and had a healthcare conversation you're talking about on twitch stream you're talking about H bomber guy. Yeah. 
I've uh, heard various con various uh, accounts of this individual. I can't confirm or deny about what his, what he does. I know that he was prominent along with Philosophy Tube and ContraPoints in the skeptics sphere for a bit until that dissolved into the fucking primordial <laughs> hell that it's become. Honestly, beyond that, I don't fucking care about any of that shit. Now, I want to go and take a more, take a less critical viewpoint of this, and y'all can, you know, tongue lash me all you want, because for once in my life, I'm not, like I said, anybody who's listened to our podcast to the to the back and front knows my be belief about things, about politics bleeding into my hobbies and that kind of stuff. I don't give a fuck about it, and I never will give a fuck about it. Anyway, moving on. Watsy and their fucking... <laughs> Watsy and the fucking Dragonlance debacle. Yeah, I thought we were so, going to go with that, with the legality of the issue. I wanted to hear you guys talk about that. Yeah, uh, so I actually found that, okay, so for people that don't know, um, Wizards of the Coast, the same people that own Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, D&D. They purchased it, uh, they purchased they purchased the company and the rights to it from a company called TSR um, that was run by, why can't I fucking think of the name? Who, who created Dungeons and Dragons? Somebody help me out here. <laughs> Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax. Thank you. <laughs> I've, Man, all the political shit got my brain fried. See, this is why you shouldn't be getting into politics, kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, as if kids are listening to this. Right, exactly. Anyway, so um, they bought TSR, um, which was run by Gary Gygax, and they had um, a setting called Dragonlance. And when they were bought, Dragonlance was technically a separate thing. Um to TSR. It was like the freelance writers to Wizards of the Coast now. So what happened was they cut a separate deal, uh, a publishing agreement between Dragonlance and Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast recently um, fucked up their agreement and basically are canceling Dragonlance. Well, the creators of Dragonlance um, are suing them now because they were still providing work to them and Wizards of the Coast was just, they weren't bargaining the way they were supposed to be bargaining. So I found the 21 page legal document um, suing Wizards of the Coast from, uh, let me see their names, uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. So uh, it looks like Margaret Weiss set up an LLC and they're going through and they, you know, if any, if you've ever been through a lawsuit or divorce or anything like that, there has to be a declaration. And this is, this is what this is. This is the declaration and they're waiting for the response. And the way it usually goes is the um, defendant who is the one that they're suing has, um, 30 days to file a response, which I don't think has been filed yet. At least I couldn't find it. 
this was done on 1016, so we probably won't hear anything from Wizards of the Coast until about November. At least this is what this is from the document. I'm just reading what's on the document at this point. And okay, so they sued um, Margaret Weiss LLC, a Wisconsin limited liability company, and Tracy Hickman, an individual of the plaintiffs, are suing Wizards of the Coast LLC, a Delaware limited liability company, um, for breach of contract, breach of implied uh, covenant of good faith and fair dealing, and tortuous tortuous i don't know that's i don't know interference with contract basically and they demand a jury uh trial so uh to to give a little background of what they're suing them for in the context uh i'm just gonna read am i gonna read this whole first part yeah i'll read the whole first part it's nine different sections nine paragraphs Anyway, uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, collectively Margaret Weiss LLC and plaintiff creators, are among the most widely read and successful living authors and world creators in the fantasy fiction arena. Over 35 years ago, plaintiff creators convinced, uh, conceived and created the Dragonlance Universe, a campaign setting for the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game, the rights of which were owned by defendant in Dungeons & Dragons Gamers assume roles uh, within the storyline and embark on a series of adventures, a campaign in context, in the context of a particular campaign setting. Plaintiff creators' uh, conception and development of the Dragonlance universe has given a rise to, among other things, gaming modules, video games, comic books, films, and a series of book sets, uh, books set in the Dungeons & Dragons fantasy world, while other authors have been invited to participate in creating over 190 separate fictional works within the Dragonlands universe. Often the plaintiff creators as editors, Weiss and Hickman's own works remain by far the most familiar, most familiar and saleable. Their work has inspired generations of gamers, readers, and enthusiasts beginning in 1984 when they published their groundbreaking novel, Dungeon or Dragons of Autumn and Twilight or Autumn Twilight. Jesus Christ. Uh, which launched the Dragonlance Chronicles trilogy. Their books have sold more than 30 million copies, and their Dragonlance world of Kryn is arguably the most successful and popular world in the in shared fiction, rivaled in the fantasy realm only by the renowned world created by J.R.R. Tolkien, which do not involve a shared fictional world. Within the Dragonlance universe, plaintiff creators have authored or edited 31 separate books, short story anthologies, game materials, art and reference books, and a related series of works all dedicated to furthering the Dungeons & Dragons Dragonlance brand. In or around 2007, or, or two, yeah, not 2000, 2017, plaintiff creators learned that the defendant uh, was res- receptive to licensing their properties with established authors to revitalize the Dragon, Dungeons & Dragons brand. After a 10-year hiatus, plaintiff creators approached defendant and began negotiating for a license to author the new Dragonlance trilogy. Plaintiff creators viewed the new trilogy as the capstone to their life's work and as an offering to their multitude of fans for a, who had clamored for a continuation of the series, given that the Dragonlance series intellectual property is owned by defendant. There could be no publication without a license. 
in March 2019, negotiations between the parties here too culminated in a new agreement whereby Wise and Hickman were the person were to personally author and publish a new Dragonlance trilogy in conjunction with the Penguin uh, Random House, a highly prestigious book publisher, uh, the license agreement. By the time the license agreement was signed, defendant had, uh, had a full overview of the story and story arc with considerable detail uh, of the planned trilogy. Defendant knew exactly the nature of the work uh, it was going to receive and the pre-approved and had pre-approved Penguin Random House as the publisher. Indeed, defendant was at the times, uh, at all times aware to, of the contract between Penguin Random House and the plaintiff creators. Uh, and its terms. In fact, the license agreement express, expressly refers uh, to the publishing agreement. By June of 2019, defendant received and approved a full outline of the first contracted book in the trilogy, book one. And by November 2019, the publisher accepted to manuscript uh, ex- accepted a manuscript of book one. Plaintiff creators in turn sent the book one manuscript to defendant who approved it in uh, January 2020. In the meantime, defendant was already approving foreign translation rights and encouraging plaintiff creators to work on the subsequent novels. During the development and the writing process, plaintiff creators met with the contractual milestone, met all contractual milestones and received all requisite approvals from the defendant. Defendant at all times knew that the Hickman and Weiss uh, had devoted their full attention and time committed to completing the book one and the trilogy as a whole in the conformity, uh, in conformity with their contractual obligations. During the writing process, defendant proposed certain changes in keeping with the modern day uh, zeitgeist of a more inclusive and diverse story world. At each step, plaintiff creators timely accommodated such requests and all others within the framework of their novels. This collaboration process tracks with Section 2A of the licensing agreement, which requires defendant to approve plaintiff creators' drafts or alternatively provide written uh, direction as to the change that will result in the defendant approval or draft. So we talked about this a couple times ago that um we kind of made fun of it that D was kind of scrubbing the um racist and trying to be more exclusive out of all of their books and stuff so this kind of falls in line with all that stuff uh honor about august wait go ahead no go ahead finish honor about august 13th 2020 defendant participated in a telephone conference with plaintiff creators' agents, uh, which was attended by the defendant's high-level executives and attorneys, as well as the uh, PRH executives, Penguin Random House executives and counsel. At that meeting, defendant declared that it would not approve any further drafts of Book 1 or any subsequent works in the trilogy, effectively uh, repudiating and terminating the license agreement. No reason was provided for the termination in any... It, uh, in any event, no material breaches or defaults were indicated or or existed upon which to um, predicate a termination. The termination was wholly arbitrary and without contractual basis. The termination was unlawful and in violation of multiple aspects of the licensing agreement. The termination also had the knowing and premeditated effect 
or precluding publication and destroying the value of plaintiff creator's work, not to mention their publishing deal with Penguin Random House. Defendants act and fail acts and failures to act breached the licensing uh, license agreement and were made in a stunning and brazen bad faith defendant acted full knowledge with a, a unilateral decision that would not unilateral decision would not only interfere with but also would lay waste to the years of works that plaintiff creators had to that point put into the project um, given that the obligation to obtain the the publisher was part of the part and parcel to the license agreement. Defendant was fully uh, cognizant, yeah, fully cognizant that its backdoor termination of the license agreement would nullify the millions of dollars in remuneration of the which plaintiff creators were entitled for their publishing contract. As plaintiff creators subsequent lear- subsequently learned, defendants' arbitrary de- decision to terminate the license agreement and thereby the book publishing contract was based on events that had nothing to do with their work of, or plaintiff creators. In fact, at nearly the exact same point in time of the termination, defendant was embroiled in a series of embarrassing public disputes whereby its non-Dragonlance publications were exonerated uh, Exor, oh shoot! I actually looked up this excoriated. word. Yeah, excoriated and for racism and sexism. Moreover, the company itself was vilified by well-publicized allegations of misogyny and racist hiring and employment practices by with by and with respect to artist employees unrelated to Dragonlance. Plaintiff creators are informed and believe. And based thereon, alleged that the decision was made jointly by defendant and its parent company Hasbro Inc. to deflect any possible criticism or further public outcry regarding defendants' other properties by effectively killing the Dragonlance deal with plaintiff creators. The upshot of that was to inflict knowingly malicious and oppressive harm to plaintiff creators to interfere with the third party contractual obligation all of the plaintiff creators severe detriment and distress. Jesus Christ. Mm. So, so, so let me break this down, at least as far as I can tell on my end. So in non legalese, because it's kind of over, I know it'll be oversimplifying it. Watsi had, Watsi had created a contract with Hickman and Weiss to write some Dragonlance novels. I believe there was three or four of them. I don't remember the actual amount. They went through the actual work. I believe they said it was a two to three year process of them actually doing it. I don't know the the exact amount, probably around two. It makes sense Mm -hmm. to to make their first draft by their own contract. From what I heard, they were no matter what it was, as long as it was a functional first draft, as as much as I can tell, because, again, I'm not a lawyer Mm -hmm. trying to break this down based on what I can piece together from what I'm listening to. They were to be receiving monetary compensation for their first draft. Uh, they had Watsi had played had uh, gathered a group of people to ask for revisions, which they had given extra time to do so. And I believe it sounds like Hickman and Weiss complied. Is is that is that what I'm getting from this? So they they gave the first manuscript uh, of book one to the defendant, and they approved it in January of 2020. So they had an approved first manuscript for book one that was ready to go to publishing. 
and anytime right. anytime Watsi had a disagreement like about um including like inclusion and diverse to the story or whatever they made the changes and that the, the Watsi had to approve all aspects well they had already approved book one and before they could start the novels they cut the deal then this sounds pretty cut and dry to me unless something comes out of the woodworks on Watsi's end this is cut and dry mm-hmm. uh, now i know the, the the problem is is i really wish we had phil on here because phil is absolutely against wickman and height or i'm sorry hickman and weiss on this because he doesn't generally enjoy their works for whatever reason. I believe mm. the the statement was, is that their stuff is too, um, it's not inclusive, heavily racial, sexual, misogynistic stuff. I, I don't know. I've read some Dragonlance. I, I didn't, when, when I was younger, I didn't get that vibe from it, but maybe I was, I was a younger person. Maybe I just didn't notice the heavy overtones or maybe not less subtle undertones. I don't know. But he, doesn't have any positive opinions about them overall and thinks that Watsi's in the right on this one. I'm very much in the ballpark of if they've already approved the manuscript, if they've given the opportunity to Hickman and Weiss to make the adjustments and they complied with every adjustment they've asked them to make and they pulled out after this and not paying them for the pieces that they were supposed to per contract, this is a clear cut case of them needing to pay them. Even if it's not anywhere near what they're asking for, which I don't remember what the actual asking price was, but I thought it was closer. It was in the millions, if I recall. Um, here's okay. I actually can read that part too, if you want. There is actual no uh, monetary value attached to it. Oh, um. I guess there is an amount to it. I thought they were asking for a a, 10 mil, weren't they? They have a a claim to relief. Pretty close. Uh, Plaintiff incorporates um, by this reference each and every allegation contained in paragraph 1 through 66 inclusive uh, as if set forth uh, here full and herein on or about March 29th plaintiff creators and public random house entered into a public or a publishing agreement all the at all relevant times the defendant was aware that of publish publishing agreement and its terms defendant approved a draft for the publishing agreement and the licensing agreement defendant pre-approved uh, penguin random house as the publisher for plaintiff creators under works under the license agreement and the license agreement expressly refers to the publishing agreement as being attached thereto. License agreement at 3A. I don't know. I don't have the licensing agreement. I wish I did. That'd be cool to know what that said. Defendant intentionally caused plaintiff creators to breach the publishing agreement by preemptively refusing to approve any further approvals of the plaintiff creators' Dragonlance work, which approvals are necessary for the plaintiff creators to perform under the publishing agreement. On information and belief, defendant also engaged in a back channel activities to disrupt the publishing agreement by convincing uh, Penguin Random House that defendant would prevent the plaintiff creators from performing under the publishing agreement. Defendant substantially interfered with the publishing agreement through improper means. 
uh, to wit, conduct that constituents breach actual or anticipatory of the licensing agreement as a direct and proximate result of the above description acts and omissions of defendant plaintiff creators have and will suffer damages. The full nature and scope of these damages are presently un, uh, unascertained and are subject to proof of trial, but are, but are on information and belief are in excess of 10 million. Yep. Figured as much. Yep. <laughs> so th this is what I didn't understand. So TSR owned the licensing to Dragonlance, but they're the creators and now they have to beg Watsy to use their own created work. That's the part that I think is fucked up. I'm not 100% on the legalese as far as the controlling aspects of that, and I don't want to make any assumptions. Like, like we all, like we've right said here, on the front. Here. It says that it says that they have to have a license agreement from Watsi to use their own Dragonlance and publish anything more to their work. Like they're still getting well, paid it, on their old books, but they're trying to to recreate Dragonlance. And literally, this is the last thing they're doing for Dragonlance. And Watsy's telling them, no, go fuck yourself. Well, it, it, that's why I said it, it's it, what you got to understand is TSR probably owned all that shit. Mm -hmm. And it was a conglomerated thing of rights. So Hickman and Weiss's stuff probably was under TSR at that point when that company owned them. So when Watsi bought all of those, they bought all those licenses along with it. So yes, they do have to ask Watsi for permission to do that kind of shit, even mm -hmm. if it is their own creation, because they sold their rights to TSR originally. That's what I'm guessing. No, yeah, no. Well, I think what happened was is they were freelancing for TSR, and they produced the Dragonlance stuff, and TSR owned the rights to Dragonlance, but they were the creators of it. But it sounds like from here, they wanted to give back to their players, approached a publisher and approached Watsi. Both gave them the okay. They did everything they, they were told to do through the licensing agreement to prepare for the publishing side of it. Watsi approved the publisher. Watsi approved the first draft of everything and then just shut the door on everybody. So they Which already put the they already put like three years of work into this, and Watsi said, "No, go fuck yourself." Yep, and in most cases, they're absolutely allowed to do that. That as sucky as that is, yeah. But if you're following the contract and you haven't breached the contract on your end, there is no reason that that contract should have failed. Obviously, we don't have the contract to know. Like I said, I would have loved to see the licensing agreement itself, and I don't think we'd ever see that. But at the same time, according to these, and now mind you, these are from the for one side. Watsi still hasn't responded to this yet, and they still ha they have thirty days to respond to it. Um, according to this, they did nothing wrong, and they've already for the first portion and told to work on the second portion in the meantime before they canceled everything and to be fair if 
they had a publishing agreement and Watsy canceled everything. There is no reason publishing uh, Penguin Random House's attorneys should have even been at that meeting with the licensing agreement without Watsy telling them they needed to be there and Watsy and them cut some sort of deal in the meantime. Fair enough. That's I mean that's how I that's how I see it and what I'm reading from this. Fair but, enough. But if this is true in that section that ninth paragraph of um the allegations part of it or the nature of action where Watsi's trying to not catch more backlash because of Dragonlance. I think that's wrong. I think they should give back their license back to them and have them publish their own shit. True. Because at that point, like, I'm. How badly? I don't, I don't, I haven't been following, I guess, since Third Ed. Faerun, how much have they changed? I mean, they changed the Underdark a little bit, but the Underdark still has its, like, dark aspects to it. They haven't completely scrubbed that shit away. And the Red Wizards of Fae, I know they're kind of not on the map right now. True. But that's a... I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm like I said, I'm with you. Here's what's likely going to occur, because this is the situation that usually happens in these cases. They're going to cut them a deal. They're going to settle out of court. They're going to give them, let's go 45 to 60% of what they're asking for, because they're not going to give them the whole amount. It's not going to fucking happen. That the, no. litigatory, the litigatory levels that, that Hasbro can go to to make this unprofitable for them will be ridiculous. They're going to give them close to the amount that about half the amount that they ask for on average, and then this is all going to go away. You're not going to hear about it. This is about the end of it. If oh yeah, for what, if for whatever reason you um that there's an issue, like like Hickman Weiss actually presses forward into this, mm-hmm. and then and I don't think they're going to. I don't I don't know what their bargaining position is on this. I honestly agree with you. It looks pretty clear cut. It looks like Watsi didn't do didn't do what they were supposed to do. They backpedaled on things they weren't supposed to backpedal on, and they should have get they should have ponied up the money when they were supposed to. If even if here's here's the thing, even if they put whatever small down payment they were supposed to on the first draft, so let's say I'm gonna guess probably two or three million dollars is probably what the what the first draft money was. I don't know what the again. I'm going on speculation. That's probably what they were offering for the first draft, for the first book. As long as they threw that down and then made the conference about it, I don't, I don't know if it would have been nearly as detrimental at that point. Because at the very least, Hickman and Weiss would have had money they could have actually used. So I don't know. Again, the the, the I'm with you on this one. This seems. Even if you don't like Dragonlance, even if you don't like the 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 authors for whatever reason, there's if you go on pure business from what you said from this litigation, this sounds clear cut. They need to get their money. Yeah. Yep. 
A reckoning is upon them. But I, I think I think I agree with you that they'll they'll settle, and we won't hear anything about it. Again. Sure, that's what I think is going to happen. And that's and that's perfectly fine. If, if that ends up happening that way, and Hick, and Hickman Weiss is fi- are fine with whatever money they're giving them to walk away, because from what I've heard from Phil, they're pretty old at this point. I'd mm-hmm. imagine that they're just looking at this as a way to just kind of top off their fucking retirement fund so that they can leave the business with a, with, with, with money and at least a paper legacy to leave behind while they go and live out their golden years. That's my guess. Yeah. But I think at the same time, they had every intention to bring back Dragonlance to a fifth yeah. edition. I really yeah, think and George R. R. Martin has every intention of finishing up uh, the, the game of Thrones. Here we are again. <laughs> but can, hey they submitted asking, a first draft and it got approved apparently it didn't because they, they, they it got backtracked and then they got they got fucking torpedoed again this kind of stuff these kind of big business deals happen all the fucking time i like i said they're gonna they're not gonna walk away empty-handed unless they really fucking step in it or they don't have their ducks in a row on the front end, or they aren't prepared to grind hard. Because if Hasbro looks at this and their lawyers say we can make, we can, we can deal with them, we can win this, they're going to make Hickman and Weiss pay until they're fucking dead. Because they can just keep appealing until the fucking cows come home. And because mm-hmm. they made it so that it's a fucking jury trial as opposed to just having the fucking judge deal with it, because in most monetary contractual matters, if I recall, they generally don't get put in front of a jury. They want the they want the judge to deal with this on the front side because it needs to be as cut and dry as possible. So I don't. Well, know. they're only they're only asking for it. They're not. It's it's not a a clean cut thing. Like they they're asking for a jury trial. The judge doesn't have to give that to them. Oh, I, I 100% agree. At the end of the day, that's that's on the judge. Right. All right. But then. yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that that's... I, I think we've come up with a consensus on this. Like I said, if Phil was here, I think we'd have a little bit more point-counterpoint on this one because he doesn't really see it the same way. His statement was, when I talked to him about it, was they're they're not as popular as they think they are. That their series was a was a self insert fan fiction that was filled with sin and debauchery and sex, and that their 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 fandom is not as big as they think it they think it is. Which again, I, I can't confirm or deny that. I've read the book. I'm not going to hold a banner for. I'm not going to hold the standard for them and be like, yeah, they're the best. I've read a book of theirs. It's like I've read a book out of the Greyhawk Adventures. I'm not going to go and fight someone on it at the end of the day. Yeah, the two the two biggest or the three biggest settings were uh, Forgotten Realms, um, Greyhawk, and Dragonlance. Those were the three main campaign settings for Dungeons & Dragons. And I think those two to come back, mostly one to come back, really, because Greyhawk never really got reprinted either. But for Forgotten Realms to be the mainstay of Dungeons & Dragons right now, I think... If I was them, I take it as a slap in the face, like because Dragonlance was pretty big, and Faerun didn't was. show up until probably what third edition. Yeah, Faerun made it to third edition. I believe Greyhawk actually made it to three or three point five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so 
Yeah. Dragonlance is the only one lagging behind. So that's why I can see like I can see them wanting to bring that back for the fans. But like I said, I don't know. I didn't I haven't read anything of theirs, but now I'm probably to. I want to know what the hype's about. So <laughs> go for it, dude. Read, read that dude go to audible see if you can find something or fucking go on see if there's a book on tape about it go for it i know that seems old ass but eh, whatever yeah right all right guys uh i think we're gonna call it here pretty deep yeah, one for us today yeah we were all over the fucking place i think this was a pretty meaty uh podcast yeah pick up your pokemon pick up your pokemon go do whatever the fuck you do as an adult and let's watch but Watsy burn together. <laughs> this is what we got. Wow. <laughs> Y'all say I'm the fucking cynical one. Hey, I'm just saying, man, you got to end it in a bad way. <laughs> um, again, you can follow us on all, like not all the major streaming platforms, but we're on Spotify. Podbean, you can find us on YouTube. We post them up on YouTube too. Um, I'm the Angry Wargamer on Twitter. Or sorry, I'm Angry Wargamer on Twitter. Not the Angry Wargamer. For some reason, someone wants to steal my fucking name. Whatever. I'm Angry Wargamer or Obi-Wan Fat Kid on Twitter. And you can find us on the Facebook. And yeah, that's it. What do you got, Drew? I am Punk Toast on <laughs> on Twitter, not to be confused with what is it, Hidden Toast, whatever the Disguise fuck that guy's toast. name was. Disguise Toast. Disguise Toast. So yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know there was a was a a, a, a confer, con, confederation of carbohydrates, but here we are. I am Punk Toast on Twitter. Um, I am also Punk Toast on Instagram as well. I don't really post too much on there except for cat pics because cat pics. Um, I don't have a Facebook presence. Uh, uh, at least publicly as far as that's concerned uh so i'll pass it over to orlando really you can find me on twitter as harima under the at ragnarok night and remember stay sexy and go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs>